Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap-hap-happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nuthouse. What's up? Welcome back to the podcast. Now, what a weird week this has been. I've been sleeping like shit this week. Been like a walking dead for the past couple of days. Did not have it in me to do the show until today. Just didn't have the energy for it. Working on getting my eating patterns back under control. I used to have this thing wired. But I'm not riding, so I'm not on the same eating plan and training regimen. And this happens when the temperatures drop. It's hard to get motivated to get out there and exercise when you wake up and it's in the 30s and 40s out there. So California has the mask mandate back. So if you're indoors in public, masks are mandatory again. I think I'm starting to get it now. It's in effect for one month, okay? They said it expires on January 15th. I think that they're just trying to make sure that we can keep cases and deaths low through the holidays at the very least so families aren't losing loved ones or you're spending your Christmas or New Year's Eve in ICU on a ventilator. I will tell you this. Look, I hate wearing those damn masks, but whatever it takes to keep me and those around me safe, I'll follow the rules, right? I'm a good soldier. I'll be your huckleberry, but I get lax about it. I'm fully vaccinated. And you know, if stores will say you can enter without a mask, if you've been vaxxed, I'll sometimes go in, not wear a mask. I keep my distance, right? You know that six-foot rule? Fuck that, 10 feet at least. I just enjoy not having to wear it all the time, being able to talk to strangers, you know, see their faces. So if you're outside, no mask. Inside in public venues, mask up. Because people are getting COVID, even if they're fully vaccinated now. Booster even. Not like full-on COVID, but they're still getting it. I don't know how or when this is ever going to end, to be honest. And I was walking out of the store the other day, and this guy was entering it while he was on his phone. And I heard him say, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but... And I didn't hear the rest of the conversation because he went in and I was on my way out. But I thought about that. When you preface a sentence like that to somebody, you know what's following that probably isn't going to be good right? It's going to sting. It's actually a kind way to give someone criticism, but it leads to anxiety for the other person. Might make the hair on their arm stand up. But what would you rather hear? I think you need to shower more often or don't take this the wrong way, but I think you need to shower more often. I think it's just better to be diplomatic. Frame it as a question, right? Like, hey, when you shower every day, What do you do first? Do you start at the head and go down or you start at your feet and work your way up? That way they can say, oh, I don't shower every day. That way you can ease your way into it. Wow. You don't? Man, I've got to do that, man. I don't want to smell. You know, even if you don't smell yourself, it doesn't mean other people can't. I don't know how you do it. But in that case, don't say anything. (laughs) 
especially something that personal. You know what I mean? Don't say shit like, damn, your breath reeks. You'd be kinder, man. Something like, I don't know, did you eat dog shit for breakfast this morning? <laughs> Katrina did that to me once. We were, we were, not that, but we were we were sitting on a plane. And I think I'd had something like three, four cups of coffee. So I must have had some horrible coffee breath. We're sitting there. She hands me a stick of gum. I look at it and I say, no, I'm good. She says, no, seriously. <laughs> Man, does my heart ever go out to these people in the South and the Midwest, those horrible tornadoes? Now, we've seen some destruction before, but holy shit, did that take the cake last weekend? Fires, earthquakes, I've experienced some natural disasters in my time, but nothing scared the shit out of me more than tornadoes when I lived in Arkansas. They're ominous. Sounds like a train's going over your house. Shakes the shit out of everything. I think I've talked about this on the show. But it did. It truly scared the living shit out of me. I could handle earthquakes back then. But this was my first experience with a tornado. The amount of destruction those things cause is scary. And there's nothing you can do about it. Other than just take cover and do the best you can to hold on for dear life. A lot of homes out there have these basement bunkers that you can take shelter in. And that's the best way to stay safe. And I don't know if insurance companies sell that kind of a policy out there because they're so common. I know here in California, earthquake insurance can be costly sometimes, and I don't know what the coverage is really. But forget about property and belongings. A lot of people died last weekend. I don't recall a death count that high from a group of tornadoes before. It's just tragic. And that brings me to this. The news, if you haven't noticed, is just not good anymore. COVID case and death rates not getting better. We've got this January 6th committee clusterfuck, tornadoes, courtroom trials, shit, shit, shit. Last year around this time, when I was entertaining thoughts of doing another podcast, I was trying to think of a way where I could do something where I didn't paint myself into a corner, right? Didn't have to talk about the same thing. You do something that would give me some breathing room and diversify the conversation. Maybe current events, right? But things that weren't downers. But this week has been yet another week when I've struggled to find things to talk about. I don't want to bring the show down. I don't want to bring you down. But I also, I don't want to be boring and go on and on about some nonsensical bullshit that I don't find entertaining. And certainly you wouldn't find it entertaining. I set ground rules, right? Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about the negative shit that divides the country or the world. But it keeps happening. And it dominates everything. Because I'm not going to sit here and play TikTok videos like a fucking moron. We're all above that. And I can't speak negatively about things that are close to to people in my life who I love. I don't want to hurt, right? My family, my friends. I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to bring joy. So it would be nice if the world would be a little kinder to me, do me a solid, give me at least one rainbow a week so I can blow magic pixie dust up people's asses. That's all I'm asking. Like this. Like, I don't talk negatively about Elon Musk for personal reasons. It would hurt somebody close to me, who I love very much. But this person, who I love, isn't Elon Musk, who I really don't like. Like, I seriously don't like the fucking guy. I think he's an asshole. 
He makes a shit ton of money, doesn't pay his fair share in taxes. But he's getting us closer to live in that Jetsons future we were promised when we were kids. As if that's more important than what's going on down here. Even a fraction of some of that money could be spent here on Earth, providing a better quality of life for people, you know, who are far less fortunate than the rest of us. My personal opinion of him aside, he's making technological advances that I think could set the the framework for a more technologically advanced future. However, for Time Magazine to make him person of the year, it's a fucking joke. So this is me for one week taking the gloves off. Fuck Elon Musk. Fuck him and his stupid Nazi haircut. And Time Magazine, no different now than Newsweek. And my brother even said that. Those weeklies used to matter. They don't matter anymore. They haven't for a while. Like, I could have chosen 10 people more worthy of giving that fake award to than him. Dolly Parton would top that list for what she's done. But my vote doesn't count. How about Eugene Goodman? He was the one man brave enough to face down those knuckleheads who stormed into the Capitol building, telling them to leave. One police officer faced down hundreds of over-caffeinated, rage-filled dum-dums trespassing in a federal building with guns and weapons and, you know, wearing tactical gear. That's a brave man, a real man if I've ever seen one. No, no. Let's give the honor of person of the year to a tax cheat. But here's the kicker. Right behind that story comes this headline from The Verge. Five former SpaceX employees speak out about harassment at the company. <laughs> a group of former SpaceX employees are coming forward about their experience working at the commercial rocket company, claiming that there is a culture of sexual harassment in the workplace and that managers and the Human Resources Department handled complaints poorly. The individuals are speaking out in light of an essay published by one former employee, Ashley Kosak, who left SpaceX in November. Kosak details multiple instances of people being groped and feeling uncomfortable after fending off sexual advances by her male co-workers. Four additional people who spoke with The Verge described their own troubled experiences at SpaceX or witnessing other women and non-binary people being harassed. In three cases reviewed by The Verge, SpaceX HR was made aware of the allegations and had inconsistent responses that the employees felt were inadequate. Now listen, let's play devil's advocate for one second, all right? Okay, fair play always. Because we all know there are three sides to every story. Got your side, their side, and the truth. People these days are arguably overly sensitive. And the fact that the phrase non-binary was used in that paragraph gives me a little pause. Who uses that phrase? The same people who use the word triggered. But sexual harassment happens. It's real, and it happens often. I'm not going to go on and on about this because we've discussed this a hundred times. This has to be taken seriously. Women were afraid to come forward for years. So anytime this comes up, We have to take it seriously, get to the bottom of it. It's fucked up. It's not fair. Women shouldn't have to endure that in the workplace, anywhere. It's accountability time. 
It took some serious balls for the Me Too movement to happen in the first place. And this can't be tolerated. And Elon Musk doesn't seem to me like a guy who really gives a good fuck about people. So Time Magazine can shove that Person of the Year award up their own ass and take notice. But the timing of this Verge article was letter perfect. They dropped a deuce on Time Magazine, a dying relic, and Elon Musk at the same time. It's the most impeccable takedown I've seen in quite some time. And for as horrible as a story as this is, in a way, a news item that I don't mind sharing, but I'm calling it good news. <laughs> this is the stuff I like to share. And I certainly needed it this week, because this week was getting light on material. Oh man, perfect. Thank you, news gods. Hey, you ever be scrolling through Instagram? And you see the alert pop up at the top saying that someone you're following just started a live stream. You ever click on those? Like I follow someone, not naming names, and they frequently do these. And I never click on them because I don't want to stay on Instagram for a long time. But I did recently just to see what they were broadcasting. And it wasn't very interesting. And I'm not going to go into details. But what I found interesting about it was that there was one person watching and I was that one person. I hung out for like five minutes just to see if anyone else would join. No one did, and I left. So question, why do these live broadcasts? Isn't it a little embarrassing that you're having these look-at-me moments and no one's looking at you? I felt embarrassed for this person. I really did. Honestly, if I started seeing that I was getting less than like 10 downloads per episode for this show... I might think about maybe hanging it up or severely cutting back on how how often I work on them. But no one would know, right? No one would be able to see how few people were listening. But on Instagram, you see exactly how many people are tuning in. And then there's a chat log. Zero interaction. I'm almost certain, I'm 100% certain this person is not listening to a name because I don't promote it on Instagram anyway. I have a select audience. And God forbid my stepdaughter should tune in, hear me talking about the crap I talk about on here. But imagine if I did decide to do this show live on Instagram, and I had three people watching. I'd feel like shit, like a stooge. No way. I had this one guy who exclusively did these cooking videos. It's a decent-sized audience, and we got to know each other. So he listens to My Life as a Foodie. And he says, I got about halfway through it, and I... I just couldn't take it. Why you should do this show as a video on YouTube. It would be far more engaging. I'm like, dude, who the hell wants to stare at me while I do this dumb show? It's audio for a reason. People like to take it with them. People like to listen on their way to work, on their way home, while they cook dinner, shit like that. I had this one girl who would listen to that show. She lived in New York. She said she'd listen to my show on the subway because it made her experience on the subway better. And she loved that she could laugh on the subway. The podcasts were already starting to explode back then, really exploding now. And I think unless you have content that's really engaging, and his was not, by the way, stay the hell off of video. And if you're going to post that stuff on Instagram, don't do it live. All right, record it and post it later. Speaking of video, I got into a different mindset last weekend. Decided to restart that documentary, The Rescue, that I was talking about. And I guess I just, I guess I wasn't in the right headspace to watch it the first time. 
But it's a documentary, really, about empathy, about valuing human life, especially the lives of kids. Now, these kids were all smiles, like the entire time these rescue queues were down there. And they were miserable, but they're still smiling. And they were on borrowed time because there was this other storm coming that eventually did come, and it completely flooded the rest of that cave system that they were in. These kids all would have drowned after already having suffered through hypothermia and extreme hunger. Just a gripping story. And what a chance these guys took to get those kids back to safety. I'm not going to ruin it, but they did something extremely risky that had it not worked out would have landed these guys in prison or worse. But then listen, I told myself this. I go, look, as long as you're going to watch a documentary, it's got subtitles all over it. Should probably get less of my entertainment from movies and tackle maybe the the stack of books on your nightstand, which I'm in the process of doing now. I finished a big one last week, working on the next one, and I'm not a guy who who likes novels, but I'm enjoying these. Also, it took a while, but I finished that Beatles documentary on Disney Plus. Like I've always appreciated the Beatles for their music and the creative process, but I had no idea. I never realized just how talented this band was back then and how difficult their struggles were until I got through this three-part series. No one knows what it's like to be in a band. There is always going to be creative differences. I've been in a few, right? And I found it hard to cope. It's like being in a relationship with, you know, three or four people at once. Like if you're married, you already know there are challenges to marriage. Imagine that times four all at once. You got to learn to choose your battles. Because you're never going to be on the same page with everybody concurrently. And that's why I ended up just going solo. Produce it on my own. It's easier to run your own show. You've got no one to boss you around. You know, it's a lot easier to, to do that than to collaborate with a bunch of other artists that you're not on the same page with. In the case of the Beatles, you had four guys who were all capable of producing the upper echelon of music and soundscapes on their own. And they asked themselves to agree on every note of every song on every album. Everyone has their own opinion on, you know, the Beatles and how they broke up or why they broke up. You know, was it Yoko? Was it that Lennon didn't feel like he was getting enough control? Or maybe it was Paul too demanding? I think the personalities were just too strong. You're locking these guys in a room together for weeks on end then asking them to present their own angle to each song and begging them not to cut each other's throats. Yeah, good luck with that. I get it, though. When it comes to collaborating on anything creative, I just don't play well with others. Unless I'm teamed up with one person whose talent I really respect, so my ego just gets too big. Like it's my way or the highway, which is why I stopped collaborating. Cooking's different. Like I can cook with people that can cook just fine. And I like that. I like that process. The one time I cooked alongside Ludo when I was was at his house for dinner, I felt like I was watching a true master at work, but it was intimidating. I was taking too long to prepare my appetizer and he threatened to kick me out of his kitchen. (laughs) I'm standing there with tweezers. I'm gently trying to put a small microgreen on the top of this thing. He's ridiculing me. I thought he was going to take those tweezers out of my hand and jab me in the eye with it. And you know, it was a big deal for me to do that with him, be at their place. His Katrina was gone already. 
It was right around the holidays, and it was nice of them to have me. And I wanted to do something special, so it was a great night. Did you see that news item from last week regarding sex in the city? I guess that show returned to HBO, but they renamed it just like that. And one of the major characters on the show dies while riding a Peloton stationary bike. Then, suddenly, the next day, stock and Peloton plummets, like 11% drop. So, a fictional character on a silly fictional show has a fictional heart attack on a bike, and the non-fiction stock price drops causing actual people to lose actual money. The fuck is wrong with people? Are they that dumb? Can you die while riding a Peloton? Of course you can. If you're not in good shape, if you're unhealthy, if your ticker's not in good shape. Dude, you can have a heart attack walking to your car if your heart's not healthy. But this would be like FedEx stock price crashing after the plane carrying Tom Hanks' character in Castaway crashed into the ocean. Heart attacks on treadmills or stationary bikes, they're possible, okay? But it's not the bike's fault. It's all that fat and sugar people live on. People have heart attacks all the time, but you don't see people buying fewer donuts or bacon. No, let's blame the Peloton. I will say, look, Peloton has been mired in controversy. They've had all kinds of bad PR in the past year. This was the last thing they needed. You remember that Christmas ad from last year? Husband gives his wife a Peloton for Christmas with a note, something saying that here's she rode back to health. And this girl wasn't fat or out of shape. Like, she looked like she was perfectly fine. They got hammered for that. Man, they they got hammered when they ran their first ads. First ad they ever saw for a Peloton was a dude on the bike in full cycling kit with cycling shoes, bib shorts, and a helmet. And cyclists were ridiculing them for that. Who wears a helmet on a stationary bike? What are your chances you're going to fall off that thing? You're clipped into the pedals. But safety concerns for that thing. Holy shit. Remember the story of the person who was running on the treadmill? They walked away from the thing, leaving the treadmill running, and their toddler walks up to it, gets caught in the treadmill, and dies. All of these accidents, how many of them are due to user error? Who leaves a dangerous thing like a treadmill running around an unwatched kid? Who gets on a stationary bike, drives themselves too hard, has a heart attack, then blames the company who makes the bike? Like this, look. Look at the speedometer in your car. What's the maximum speed on that thing? Buck 20, buck 40? You ever take it to its max speed? No, right? Why not? Because it's not safe. That's why not. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And if you do and you kill yourself... Does your family have the right to go after BMW or Toyota or Ford or whoever makes your car? Don't write a check that your ass can't cash. Just be safe. Just imagine how this went down. HBO contacts Peloton, right? And they say, look, look, we're rebooting Sex in the City, and we'd like to feature your bike in a scene that we're writing. They've got to have their permission, right? So Peloton, people at Peloton probably get really excited. Well, they could use this, right? Hell yeah, you can use it. We'll even send you a free bike. No problem. But no one asked what happens in the scene. So the show airs. The scene with the Peloton comes on. Dude has a heart attack riding that piece of shit. People lose their minds and dump their stock in the company. Imagine the look on the faces of those people at Peloton 
when all that goes down. Those assholes. They didn't tell us someone was going to die on that thing. I don't even think Peloton can sue HBO for the stock losses because they'd have to prove that riding a Peloton wouldn't kill you. People have had heart attacks riding that thing. So, as this week kept rolling, the story just got worse and worse. Peloton, who are eager to do some damage control, they hire Chris Knopf, who played the character, Mr. Big, who dies on the show on this bike. They hire him to do an impromptu commercial, letting everyone know that he's alive, he's doing fine, actually getting a lot of exercise lately on his Peloton. As if these dimwits needed proof that he's still alive. Honestly, you morons. His real name is Chris, not Mr. Big. And Sarah Jessica Parker is actually married to Matthew Broderick. Anyway, a reach for Peloton to get some of their PR buzz going in the right direction, right? But even that backfired. Because Peloton are the Detroit Lions of the fitness business. Yesterday, allegations of sexual misconduct came out against Knopf. And Peloton were forced to pull down that new ad. They simply cannot win no matter how hard they try. It's a dumpster fire of a week for those people. All thanks to HBO. Speaking of that movie Castaway, do you remember that movie much? You remember how quiet it was for most of the movie? Remember how for long stretches there was like zero dialogue? He's alone on a beach and until he finds Wilson, the volleyball, he doesn't speak that much. So this movie was especially quiet. All right, so Katrina and I were in the theater watching this movie, and I would notoriously have mostly negative experiences in the theater back then. My brother and I almost got into a fight with this dude once. So we're sitting there, we're watching Castaway, and out of nowhere, this kid sitting right next to me on the other side starts screaming shit out. Orny Nightbacks! I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like his brother or his friend, I don't know who was on the other side of him, squeezes his arm and whispers something to him. Then not, not even a minute later, Oh, de Toto! Now I'm getting annoyed, right? I look to Katrina. She whispers in my ear, that's Tourette's. He has Tourette's syndrome. I'm like, are you serious? I thought people with Tourette's screamed out curse words. I guess not. So here I am in one of the quietest movies I've ever experienced, sitting next to a kid with fucking Tourette's. And if anyone in that theater would be sitting next to him, it would be me because I can't catch a break. You know, for a while, I called it the Tom Hanks curse. Every time I'd see a movie with Tom Hanks in it, I'd have a negative experience in the theater. Like Saving Private Ryan. The first 10, 15 minutes of that movie were brutal. Violence like you wouldn't believe. Shots start firing, Marines are being slaughtered, and suddenly a baby starts crying right behind me. People brought their fucking baby to a rated R movie from Steven Spielberg. Who does that? Who brings an infant to a violent war movie? Kid was screaming at the top of its lungs. The parents finally left. But I couldn't believe that. At the time, I'd get upset about this stuff, right? But over time, I matured a little bit, I grew up, I felt bad. I know what it's like when you have young kids. You don't have time to yourselves. Can't do the things you were used to doing. Can't find a sitter. But you still want to go out. Restaurants are a challenge. Doing anything in public becomes a challenge. But the kid with Tourette's, I know it's not his fault. You don't bring someone with Tourette's into a theater. 
That's why they make Blu-rays and DVDs. That's why streaming became popular. You don't have to go to the theater anymore. Just wait six months after a movie's released, you watch it at home. Tourette's. I would make Katrina laugh sometimes. We'd be watching a sad or serious movie at home. And whenever it started getting particularly emotional, I'd break the ice. I'd yell out, cow fucker! She'd look at me and I'd say, sorry, Tourette's. Any chance to keep her from crying at a movie, I'd do it. I always worked. Hey, one more thing. I was driving past this Christmas tree lot the other day. And it reminded me of this funny story. I think it was about four years ago. We took the girls to this lot to buy a Christmas tree. And they insisted we bring our dog Rex with us. Now, Rex is a good dog, okay? Well-trained, plays well with others. He's a good boy, but he's still a dog. So we're on this lot, searching for the right tree. We find the tree we want. I can't remember why, but I had to go back to the car for something. So I go back to my truck, come back to the tree farm, and they're all standing near the front with the dog. And one of my daughters comes up and whispers to me, we have to leave now. I said, what's going on? I looked at my wife. She's got this freaked out look on her face. My daughter turns me around, points me to this tree that was out in front, fully flocked. I think it was about 200, 250 bucks or something. I immediately think they want to get that tree. And I'm thinking, no way we're getting that. That's an expensive mess. I said, okay, what about the tree? She says, look at those branches at the bottom. So I get close to the tree and I see this yellow discoloration on parts of the branches I'm like, oh no, Amelia, turn around. I said, did Rex do that? Apparently, they were standing out front, and my wife, she had Rex on a leash. She turns her back to talk to somebody. Rex walks up to the tree, smells it, lifts his leg, marks the tree with his piss. I said, look, get back inside, stay away from that tree. By the time anyone notices, we'll be long gone. So we went back, got our tree, sawed the base, paid for the tree, walked it to the car, tied it to the top, got the hell out of there. I feel horrible that Rex did that, and I hope no one noticed it, but there was no way I was buying that tree. I'm generally very honest with stuff like that. If I break it, I buy it, but not that time. And he knows better than that, too. He's a, But he's a dog, man. He pees on stuff. Okay, then. I'm exiting stage left, people. Thanks for tuning in. As always, have a great finish to your week. Enjoy this weekend. Until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been a name. Cheers. Cheers.